we are running out of opportunities. We are running out of opportunities to have Alabama drop one. It, it felt like one slipped through our fingers last night. I came out of it thinking Alabama's gettable, but also came out of it with a little PTSD from the LSU season where you just couldn't have LSU drop one, and they you know, end up winning the SEC with Will Wade. Because it felt like a game that Alabama should have dropped last night. Florida had them on the ropes. And they let them off the hook. Like the great Dennis Green would say. Florida's good, though. I really thought they were going to steal that. That does not look like the team that Tennessee beat, man. They have, uh, they have turned a page. I was very impressed with them. Uh, we were exchanging texts, and I was struck by how, you know, Sam mentioned how good their guards were, and I was like, that, what I kept thinking of when I said this was so poised, man. They, nothing was shaking them, but they, they kind of broke a little towards the end, unfortunately. But they're good. They got a good mix, too. They're big guys. They're blocking shots everywhere and pretty tough underneath. It was a good team. Yeah, I think Tennessee got fortunate to get them so early in the season. I do think that, kind of like what we talked about with last year's football schedule being uh, set up for success, I do think we kind of got a good basketball schedule as well that kind of sets you up for success. Not winning the conference this year would feel like a wasted opportunity. When you look at the break of getting Florida early, not having to go to Auburn, only getting them in Knoxville. Alabama scheduled down the stretch. It feels like you gotta gotta cash in here and add a add a number to your banner of SEC championships. Feels like anything short of that would be a pretty big disappointment at this point. Or a wasted opportunity, I should say. Maybe not a disappointment, but a, a wasted opportunity. Now I also came out of that game thinking Alabama not very good on defense, streaky from three. You know, they, they they struggled from three in the first half of the game. And I came out thinking Tennessee is, is going to get them in Tuscaloosa. I do feel good about Tennessee's matchup there, but would have really loved to have seen Alabama drop that game to Florida. I'll tell you the kid that kept them in the game, in my opinion, was uh, I think he's a freshman, that Walters kid. He hit some key three-pointers. Came off the bench, had 14 points. It was that mo. It was that point in time where Florida kept hovering around like a seven, eight, nine-point lead, and then Alabama would come down and get a three from that kid just to keep it close. And uh, because Sears wasn't doing a lot, Sears ended up getting some of what we expect from him late in the game at the most important points. But uh, it was it was tough. We had him. We had him. Yeah, for a second it looked like Alabama was going to lose and that Sears was going to light his SEC Player of the Year chances on fire. Instead, he made some plays down the stretch. Hit a couple jumpers, a three and a long two. Got to the free throw line. Played 43 minutes. Ends up with 17, 8, and 7. So a pretty good game and a, a clutch win for them. So... The race for both the SEC Championship and the SEC Player of the Year still still hot and contested right now. 
Did you see, um, and it was, it might have even been, I think it was at the, more towards the end of regulation. Did you see when Nate Oates and uh, Todd Golden were at, it was like in game action at half court and they were like talking and, and then they, I mean, they were really close. And then all, and you, you could see Golden, I think, I don't know if Oates was giving him crap or what, but Golden said something to Oates. They both laughed and kind of, you know, bumped fists and it was weird at that point in the game at least i was surprised nate oates was being nice to somebody i know he was rocking a, a vibrant sport coat too yeah, i really don't like him <laughs> i really don't like him yeah we had talked about it you know a month ago about how i felt like alabama basketball to me is more hated than kentucky basketball and kentucky game week you know you, you kind of remember okay well we do still hate this team too but i do think that the alabama one's still different and like this year it's going to be ramped up and just watching him, and then of course you throw in the stuff from last year, and and he's just he just rubs me the wrong way. You and a lot of others that aren't Alabama fans. And then you like we said, Kentucky drops the ball, blows a double digit second half lead early in the second half. They blew it pretty quickly too, and Kentucky drops one, which is going to be a big for them when it comes to. That, that fourth and final double bye in the SEC tournament, Florida and, and Kentucky kind of scrambling both both after losing. But does last night affect how you feel about Saturday night when it comes to Alabama and Kentucky? Because Alabama didn't look great. Then, of course, neither did Kentucky. But if you, bu if you buy into a team being more motivated after a loss, maybe Kentucky comes out and plays better. Although we also saw them lose three straight at Rupp Arena. So, like, it's not even like Rupp's been a very hostile place this year. How do you feel about that game as we sit, you know, a couple of days away from it? Cal's just such a hard coach to figure out. This would be the type of game they bounce right back and play great. I mean, they could potentially even run Alabama out. Um, that's what I'm hoping for. We're going to have to be Kentucky fans for a, for a night. I got no problem with that. Yeah. I was gator chomping last night. Yeah, all day, really. I mean, we ended the show with gator chomping. Yeah, I got on board, too. Um, and then I was like, come on, boys. Thank you. And then I came and I watched my my, my guy Clayton go four for 16 from three. He was he was jacking them. He was trying. He was trying. 27 points. So, I mean, he was getting buckets, but four of 16 from three. Maybe, maybe shoot a couple more layups. Maybe get to the rim a little bit more, my guy. Florida had that one basket. I don't know if you saw where they got it down to their big, and he, you know, had all sorts of contact and like no foul called. And he like puts it up and it goes up straight up in the air about six feet, and it just drops into the basket. I was like, okay, Florida's got this, man. I'm feeling it now. But oh yeah, I saw it. That was the bucket that went over the team total. I had Florida's team total nice. over, and and that was the one that got there. <laughs> I was like, thank you, big sports god. I appreciate you. And then I had the over in the game, and it took overtime. So I was like, you know what, let's just call it a night, going to bed, just going to withdraw my money out and, and take a couple of days off. Because you got you got a lucky break there getting into overtime. So I was like, I'm going to take my chickens. And like Ken and Hooker said yesterday, you got to protect your chicken. And that's what I was worried about. Just cash out and go to bed. Consider it your night. You, The Florida hit on a... Miracle loose ball, and then you got overtime to get the game total. So I was like, bedtime, time to go. 
this is good to see a, a buddy of mine who uh, lives up he lives up in Indiana now, but he's a Kentucky fan. He grew up he's from the state of Kentucky. Uh, very frustrated, and he um, he still gets on the message boards, and he just sent me a frame grab from Cats Illustrated, and it's somebody who writes in, Kentucky basketball as we know it is finished. I mean over. It's done. We've got to get a grip on that. And it, as I read it, I was like, feels kind of good because it's Kentucky, but also, boy, that sounds like our fan base a little bit. So it's, uh, we're not alone with the misery sometimes yeah i think that their cope last night or or the way that they were trying to spin it or maybe it was just reality and acceptance but i saw people saying that on the ksr postgame show they were talking about how kentucky basketball is tennessee football <laughs> which i feel like i've made that comparison yeah. before but like it's a it's it's not far off in the sense of like yeah it used to be dominant and then you kind of got to realize okay that's not coming back and then you keep sliding and sliding and sliding we'll see if it gets to the depths that Tennessee football got to you know when you see somebody say that Kentucky basketball is dead as we know it I mean yeah you're not you're not the same elite program you, you are just a program in the SEC and you I don't think you've been the premier program in the SEC for the last couple of years I think that's you've been passed. I think you've been passed by both Alabama and Tennessee. You can argue about who the premier team in the conference has been between Tennessee and Alabama. Alabama's got more hardware, so if you give them the edge, I, I won't argue with you. But I do think both Tennessee and Alabama are the clear-cut like kind of class of the conference. Their programs are in the best places. Would really love if like Ohio State like you know broke the bank for. Nate Oates, and he was like, yeah, I want to move back north. That'd be great. I'd like for Nate Oates to get out of there. But I think as long as Nate Oates and Rick Barnes are at their schools, then both of them are going to stay ahead of Kentucky. Unless Kentucky does something drastic like firing a coach with a lifetime contract. And they have to kill Coach Cal. The only way to get out of a lifetime contract is to end the person's life. So RIP to him if that were to happen. Sam, are you are – you, swayed one way or the other are you leaning one way or the other after last night's action when it comes to Kentucky hosting Alabama because like I said you were kind of running out of opportunities you you needed at least one Alabama loss this week to feel good now Tennessee does still control their own destiny if Tennessee wins out they will be SEC champions but I was rooting hard for for Florida to get it done yeah I was rooting hard for Florida as well and I I thought they had a chance to do it but I mean credit to Alabama they they played a solid game and some guys that nor don't normally, I feel like, step up for them, played some really solid games. Um, but I hate those stupid hard hats. Oh, God, that was that was really – I texted y'all last night. That was really pissing me off. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't know. I feel good about Kentucky this weekend, just given the fact that, I don't know, this might go back to what we were talk, arguing about last yesterday, John, with feeling good about just not being solid at home. I feel like Kentucky's just due for a a good home performance. Hard to lose four home games point, in a right? row or whatever it is. I'm sure they've got to You'd win think. in between. But. but I just feel like Kentucky has a, a lot more to lose right now than Alabama. This feels like Kentucky's officially backed against the wall after losing on the road to LSU, and this feels like a spot where they can kind of revive themselves a little bit. It does make me a little nervous isn't the right word, but like it's disheartening to see – the fan base at Kentucky kind of be in the dumps just because I would like 
for them to be fired up for Saturday. I, if they're fired up for Saturday, if it, let's say they beat LSU last night and they come off of, you know, beating Auburn at home and looking great, or on the road, excuse me, and looking great, and then, you know, you beat LSU and you're riding a little wave of momentum and then you get a, a real raucous Rupp Arena and maybe the referees remember, hey, we're supposed to help those guys in blue, not hurt them. But now they're going to be sad and disappointed, so maybe it's not going to be as raucous. I don't know. Then like, then it would be a win-win kind of if, if they were feeling themselves and they had this big Alabama game. And then if they had gotten embarrassed by Alabama, you kind of get to laugh at them for that too. They go, oh, well, Alabama won. But, yeah, at least Kentucky's sad. Well, let's, let's, let's soak in some of the sadness. Let's enjoy it a little because I got some more frame grabs from uh, Rupp's Rafters. That this guy sent me frame grabs, Bob. We call those screenshots today, okay? <laughs> Whatever. Screenshots. Like frame, grab. frame grab is nice. <laughs> it kind of sounds cool. You're, you're like the the meme of Winnie the Pooh that's normal, and then Winnie the Pooh that has the bifocal on <laughs> yes, and all dressed yeah. up. Monocle. Yeah, oh yeah, bo- the monocle, not bifocal. Uh, and then like the tuxedo screenshot, regular Winnie the Pooh frame grab, sophisticated Pooh. That's a, yeah, I guess that's a technical term. I'm sorry. Um, Okay, let me read a few of these, though. Kentucky basketball has ceased to be fun anymore. 44 losses over the last four seasons. That is a lot, man. Wow. Well, they had that one year. Was that the the year after COVID? They were – Yeah, 21, they were terrible. Like, they might have only had, like, single-digit wins or something crazy. Um our fans need to stop laughing at U of L and IU because they always do point to those two programs and they're both struggling. And uh, Cal equals Bobby Bowden. Okay. That's sad because Cal's like 20 years younger than Bobby yeah. Bowden. That's awesome that they're already comparing themselves to Louisville. <laughs> yeah. No. Bottom line, Cal's absurd rotations and refusal to start our two most talented players has cost this team wins. Cal leaves presser after three questions. 42-27 lead, gone in a flash. We should get Eddie Grand to coach. That's pretty good. It was gone in a flash. Yeah. Going back and looking, because, you know, like I said, I I didn't watch the second half because I assumed that I saw a tweet like a minute into it. Like, oh, they're up 14 now. I was like, all right, time to get ready for bed. And then I looked this morning, they lost, and I, I go back and read the play-by-play, and they got up 14 then immediately quit scoring. And, like, LSU, or maybe even 12, they got up 12, and then, you know, LSU just caught them within, like, three minutes and, and had the lead. Cal currently ranks first in individual losses over a four-year period by any one coach in U.K. history. That's that's kind of a big deal. Yeah, in 2021, they went 9-16. Nine, nine and 16. That really stands out. Nine and sixteen. I don't remember that being that bad. I remember it just because, like, I want to say, like, an eight and fifteen Kentucky or eight and thirteen Kentucky came in and beat us. Like, their their record was really bad when they beat us in Knoxville. The officials took over. Yeah, it's always blame the officials. And then uh, the last one I have here, at least, Mister Cocky didn't have much to say last night, did he? 44 losses in four years, that's 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 a big number. It is. What would you guess Tennessee has in the last four years? Well, you've got four straight 20-win seasons, don't you? Yeah. 
You have three straight. Three straight. Seasons. Three straight twenty-one seasons. I bet there's. I bet thirty. Twenty-eight to thirty. Thirty. Twenty-eight to thirty. Sam. Yeah, I'm gonna say like right in the middle of that. I think that's right. Twenty-seven. You guys have too much faith in Barnes. Thirty-four. Thirty-four. So I mean, still a good ten games better than Kentucky. Although you would thought it'd be a little bit wider of a gap if they throw in a nine and sixteen. But Tennessee had a they had a losing season in that COVID year, right? The year that the you know the tournament got shut down. And... Yeah, but I wasn't counting that. And it no, wasn't I a losing know. it wasn't a losing season. You went seven and fourteen. You were you're on the you're on the bubble ish kind of. I mean, you weren't going to make it seventeen and fourteen. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you were seventeen and fourteen. Like you didn't have a losing record, but it might as well have been. And you you had a outside shot of maybe winning two games in the SEC tournament and maybe getting in because the bubble was really weak that year. But but yeah, then like the next year after that, you didn't really have a great year either with eighteen and nine, twenty five and eleven, the year with Chandler that you won the SEC. It's a lot of games. Tennessee right now plus 140 to win the SEC championship. So down a little bit from plus 175 where it was to start the week. So I don't know if that's because they think Alabama looks a little beatable, if Tennessee looks good, or if it's like, hey, actually, like, Kentucky's no longer a threat and Florida's no longer a threat and and we're dropping it down and it's more of a two-team race with Auburn on the outside looking in. But, yeah, plus 140. You know who was happy about those two games last night? The outcomes with South Carolina because it helps them. You know they they got to get on the the good foot, but they you know this gives them a legitimate shot at keeping a a double bye. Yeah, yeah, that uh, that third spot you know going to probably go to Auburn. The fourth spot going to come down seemingly to a three team race: Florida, Kentucky, and South Carolina. So yeah, if you're South Carolina. You feel pretty good about a couple things. You feel good about those two losses, and you're like, hey, losing that LSU team, it's not that bad. <laughs> yeah. See, I told you guys LSU was playing better. I tried to tell Stats by Will that I thought LSU had looked pretty good, and he, he kind of shot me down on that. I was like, Florida's coach looks like he's got it going. I was like, and LSU's coach, I've, I've been kind of impressed with them. They don't quit. They play hard, and that was another game where they got down double digits like they did against South Carolina, and it's like, okay, time to go now. Jordan Wright. You know, the Vandy transfer, he was making some plays down the stretch. And he got blocked at the end, and but kept his head and got a rebound and kind of threw an alley-oop right in front of the rim and had a guy go up and just kind of catch it and beat the buzzer on it. It was an ugly way to lose if you're Kentucky. It's a play you're going to play on your head. A lot of times, like, really, we get a good block, we get a good stop, and they pick up the trash and lay it in. I have to tip my hat to Todd Golden. I thought that was when they hired him at Florida. I was thinking, man, that's that's a big stage coming from San Francisco, and took a little bit of time, but it looks like he's got them going. He looks he looks pretty legit as a coach, too. Yeah, yeah. If you're Florida, you probably feel <clears throat> like you have a coach that's going to get your program back to at least like tournament tournament every year. Yeah, and and playing. A pretty good style of basketball, too. Like, if you're Florida, you're probably thankful every day that Mike White would decided just to leave to go to Georgia. You, you kind of get got to get out of jail free card. Anything else on the night that was in the SEC? Yeah, the only other thing I would say is uh, it had less consequence for us, but um, it did have consequence for the teams playing. It was Ole Miss and Mississippi State. Mississippi State won. 
Ole Miss, that's a pretty brutal loss for them just because right now they they all matter because they're a bubble team. Um, but I'm trying to look at the positive. I think Ole Miss is hosting Alabama here maybe next week. I believe it's next uh, Tuesday or Wednesday, whichever. Their so, midweek game is Ole Miss. So that game comes becomes even more important for Chris Beard and those guys. So got to have hope, man. Gotta a little have... desperation for the boys. Yes. Come on, Ole Miss. Yes. Oh, and then last one, and this was not SEC, but did you see the finish of the Illinois game? Uh, yeah. What a meltdown, man. The only part of the ending I saw was the, the missed shot at the buzzer. Illinois was up seven with, like, a minute to go. Mm. Meltdown. Mm. Meltdown. Against a bad Penn State team. Yes, they're bad. bad. They're bad. They just missed free throws down the stretch or turn the ball over or a little bit of both? or Yeah, missed free throws was the, the big one. They they had a – I think they were, like, one of four at the end. I and mean, then fouled a three-point shooter. Yes. Up two, and the guy goes up and hits all three. I mean, Illinois was running that game the whole time. They were up, like, 12 deep into the second half. Um, yeah. Puff Johnson's a pretty cool name. Yeah, he's a – I think he's a North Carolina transfer, Yeah, I was going right? to say, I think he was at North Carolina. Puff. That sounds familiar. I love that name. Up seven with 41 seconds left. Yeah. So it's even worse. Yeah, Penn State came down and hit a three. Got a steal, hit a layup by Puff Johnson. Then it's a two-point game. And, yeah, missed two free throws. You know? The guy that missed two free throws then turned around and fouled a three-point shooter to lose the game. So not a good end of the game for you, Coleman Hawkins. In case you're listening, tighten it up. Tighten it up. That's my advice to you, Coleman. Tighten it up. Tennessee baseball took the mound yesterday, took the field yesterday, the the, the pitch. No, that's not right. Pitches. The diamond. Diamond. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Sam. It's alley-oop. I was just setting you up to look good. Come on. Good job. We'll talk some Tennessee baseball after the break. It's the morning show on Fan Run Radio. So record-setting sports betting handle and revenue. That's for the entire year. $120 billion for the entire year. Yes, and about $11 billion in revenue. So that's, you know, after all the, all the bets are paid, all the winnings are paid. So New York alone lost $1.7 billion gambling. Do we have the numbers? And maybe, Sam, this is something you can Google while I talk and install. But do we have the numbers on, like, the state lottery and how much revenue is brought in from that? That's a good question. I'd be interested to see how that compares. Because we think of the idea of sports betting for a lot of people is that it's more attainable. Success is more attainable when it comes to betting on sports versus playing the lottery. That's why I know it wouldn't be exactly apples to oranges when you're comparing it or whatever, but I was just interested in how much revenue. Looks like, uh, well, I need to, it doesn't specify if it was 2023, but $10.5 billion. Okay. Uh, in combined sales and net win. That's in the entire country or in? That's New York. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so still quite a bit bigger than, still almost, what, nine times bigger? Roughly? Yeah. Eight times bigger? Okay. But, yeah, like, the, I don't know how long the New York lottery's been around, but I'd imagine a lot longer than the sports betting who just that just got, like, legalized, I want to say, last year or two years ago inside New York. 
So we'll see how those numbers kind of trend. Do we think sports betting affects the lottery at all? Like, would you rather if you'd rather would you rather go buy twenty dollars of lottery tickets or just put you in a parlay? Yeah, I'll take a parlay. I feel like that's I feel like a lot of people probably agree with that. Like, I wonder how it's effect impacted like Tennessee's like local scratch off market. <laughs> the people I see buying scratch offs, I don't feel like probably are betting on their apps. Now they had like a slot machine or something on the apps. Maybe you'd find some people doing that. But for now, it's still still just the sports gambling. So I would say. If you told them about parlays, though, do you think they'd get into it? Hey, come here, young blood. Let hey. me show you this. <laughs> you can take I... that five dollars and do that scratch off, or you could do this five team parlay. And it doesn't have to be completely up to chance. <laughs> exactly. You could feel like you're controlling this. This is like you. They lay out all the scratch offs, and you get to pick the ones you want. Mm-hmm. How about that? Bob, you bet on sports from time to time, right? Yes. Did you bet on sports time to time to time before it was legalized? And you don't have to answer that if you're worried about the police listening. But I'm, I'm interested, like, if that's something you've always kind of done. If you took the time to go offshore, because you know, ever since I've basically been like 16 or 17, I've been gambling in one way or the other, having some action on at least at some point during the year. I don't think there's been a full year where I haven't gone without, you know, putting a sports bet in. And and that dates back to, you know, paying my mother to use her debit card on Bovada or going to Western Union, going to Walmart, having to lie to people about money grams. Why are you sending so much money to the Philippines? <laughs> oh, I went on a mission trip there. I send it back to them sometimes. Nice. Nice answer. I was like, hey, mind your business, Walmart lady. Just make sure it's in U.S. dollars. Because there's nothing worse than when you would try to go send that money and they'd be like, hey, it's five dimes. would be like, you got to make sure it's in U.S. dollars. And I'd be like, okay. And then I'm telling them at Walmart and they're messing up and I'm have, they're misspelling one of the middle names because they give you four damn names. First, last name, second last name. And they're throwing a middle name sometimes. And you're like, does that go on the... The first line, or do I put it as a middle name? And then you're back, and you're on the phone, and you're trying to, well, no, you misspelled it. It's There's a U before the E. It's got to be right for the ID, and then, then they're asking questions again about why you're sending so much money. So, yes, I've been in the mud for a long time, breaking the law. I was curious if you were someone who did it before it became legalized. And, again, you don't have to answer if you're worried about the police, but. I'm not worried about the police. I'm worried about my wife. Um, <laughs> Never mind. No, no. I honestly, no, that that was attempted comedy. The um, the only time I would do sports betting was when I was in Vegas. And, okay. I would, and I'd definitely work the sports book when I was there. I uh, loved that, as a matter of fact, just the experience in general, just hanging and, you know, following. But, no, I really didn't get into it till it was legalized. I was curious about that because I think, you know, it's similar. You called it prohibition. I, I think it's – you know, maybe the liquor comparison does work overall, but for me, I think about it in terms of weed, yeah. and how many more people probably are willing to smoke weed when it becomes legalized. Like, of course, you always had your potheads and people that liked weed that you know did it in high school and college and kind of kept doing it and would, you know, have some there at night by their bed or you know still dabbled in it or whatever. But there's probably a lot of people that didn't want to roll around with with shady people and having to like risk jail time getting caught buying uh, an eighth of weed so they could smoke at their house so they probably just gave it up 
But then it becomes legalized. It's in stores, you know, across the the country, and people probably are like, "Oh yeah, I can stop by and get a one of these new pens. I can get back and get me a gummy or something similar." So that would be kind of like what you're saying. You were to sports gambling in the sense of like, yeah, you know, I didn't want to deal with any shady people or finding a, a local bookie or doing one of these offshore accounts and having them hack it to my bank account. So I, I'm good. I'll just give it up. But once it became legal and accessible, they did win you over. Right. I, and I certainly, I, I guess I lived vicariously through it. I had friends, you know, who, you know, dealt with Fat Jack and all these other people. And, you know, and so I'd be. Fat Jack's a good bookie name. Yeah. And so. You don't want to cross Fat Jack, Sam. <laughs> Fat Jack's got goons. So. I'd be out watching college football, for example, or NFL football with this crew. And and I I got the entertainment out of just watching them go back and forth with, you know, the agony and the ecstasy and everything else. So I always – I felt like I was kind of connected to it, but I didn't have any skin in the game. Um, but now that it's legalized, yeah, I, and I put a little bit of money aside. I don't hit it too hard, but I definitely participate. Okay. Because, like, it's hard to be a sports fan – in 2024 and not just be hit over the head with the ads. I mean, they're no. everywhere. Yeah. And I'm curious how many people out there that consider themselves big sports fans have completely like abstained from this. Because I've started like, explaining it to my mom before. Yeah. My, mine like, too. Mine, mine, you know, we, we ran the ads on FanDuel or whatever here on the station and she would listen and call and be like, you know, how do I get the, the free money they're giving away? And I was like, well, okay, you just got to make an account and bet $5. And I think she deposited like $30 and won like 100 It's like, okay, I'm done. Uh, I've had fun. That's good. But, yeah, no, I mean, like, so to hear your mom be interested in it, it's not surprising. It's fascinating. I think about it now, like, uh, just the other night when we were watching the Missouri-Tennessee game, and um, I'm on the thread with the RTI guys, and the back and forth is not just about the game, but it's also about, you know, what line did you get in on? You know, did you get the halftime line? Did you, you know, some, one of the guys was like, I was lucky to get in at Tennessee minus two and a half. And that was never part of the conversation until just the last couple of years. And I think it's great. It adds to the, it just adds to the whole dialogue and narrative about it. Well, it's good and bad. It's good and bad because hearing where someone got in, if it's your friend, if it's somebody you care about, that's fine. But it's very also close to the, the fantasy football conversations that we don't want to hear of like, oh man, I got, yeah. I lost my, my, I had my best guy on my bench. Okay, we don't care. Yeah. Oh, he scored a touchdown that's at the end, point. and I lost by two points. That, like, okay, we don't care. Yeah. I uh, yeah, that's true. Now your friends, you care about that, and like if you're in a group and you you talk gambling, that's fine. Right. I would say a uh, I would say most of the people that I talk gambling with were probably already gambling when it was not legal. Although maybe not, maybe not. Maybe if I actually did a, um, you know, a sweep of the people of who I talk about it with and who did it. Maybe it is just a bunch of people that started. But also, like, yeah, I mean, seeing people post their $3 parlays is yeah, that's, that's a little bit like their fantasy teams, too. I got to say, when I see that stuff on social media and it's somebody I might be linked to, but I'm not really, I don't know them that well. Yeah. It's like, man, I don't care. Yeah. That's I get that. That's yeah. a good point. Yeah. But, like, you can't escape it. So I'm wondering how many people are out there are just like, I've never put a bet in at all. And I live in a legalized state. Because it'd be hard to turn away from. And I also have sympathy for people that maybe want to quit. But, like, you can't really quit gambling and still enjoy the telecast without getting that itch. Because, oh, my God, Vince Vaughn's giving me money now. Wow, I could try this new sports book and get new free things. And, wow, live betting after every play. 
I'll tell you what's frustrating is when we're down, and we'll be down there like at spring break, right around SEC tournament time in Florida. Yeah. Can't do it. I'm blocked. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, and boy, when that state goes legal, that state, California, Texas, I mean. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. I think Florida is now legal, right? They've got a very small pocket. It's like it's not wide through okay. the state. So like near the Seminole Tribe or whatever, because I know they Correct. run kind of the yeah. That just happened the in the last couple of months. But, okay, but it's not a it's not a statewide okay lift yet. Well, I was gonna say I have a friend who lives in Gainesville, and I think it reaches him. Yeah, in Gainesville, I don't know you know where you're gonna be at yeah. spring break or where the pockets are or whatever. But I didn't know at least there wasn't a complete ban in Florida because yeah, I dealt with the same thing when I was down in Tampa. I was having to call my friends back here and tell them to log in. I had to delete the app off my phone so they couldn't track me and be like, hey, put this in for me. And it's not a good feeling. It's not a good feeling. That's what I miss the days of Fat, uh, Fat Jack. I could just call him. Fat Jack. Hey, Fat Jack, I need a dime on the Vols. Come on. They're going to cover. Just got a text from my wife. She's listening. Said we'll discuss your gambling habit when you get home. Uh, well, I, I tried to then a I, wake emoji, so she's playing along. I, I tried to, to steer you away. I tried to steer you away. I thought it was the police you were worried about. I, I didn't think about being a family man. Yeah, we're good. We're good. You know what's interesting in these numbers too. Um, so the numbers are up in year over year terms, but part of it is too. There's there were new states added. Sure. Kentucky, Maine, Massachusetts, Nebraska, and Ohio. As a matter of fact, it says here Iowa, this or Iowa, Ohio has quickly established itself as a sports betting hotbed, bringing in nearly a billion dollars, ranking as the fourth highest earning state in the country. Well, Tennessee was in the near the top two, I believe, in the highest earning states as well. Yeah. I'm looking here. At well, it seems like one of those things that doesn't slow down, though. Like, I was going to ask you if you thought there was a bubble. Yeah. A bubble that bursts or whatever, but I, it doesn't feel like one of those industries oh. that a bubble bursts. It feels like an industry like tobacco. I mean, I guess the tobacco bubble eventually did burst when you realize, oh, wait, it gives you cancer and people quit smoking. But, like, I say tobacco in the sense of and maybe this is where the alcohol more comes into it. Of, oh, it's fun. I enjoy drinking. I'm going to spend more money drinking. When I drink, I want to drink more or I want to smoke more. I get addicted to it. So it's not like until the well dries up and people realize, oh, wait, I lost all my money. Oh, so-and-so jumped off the bridge. Yeah, three-team parlay didn't come through. And you got a couple people jumping off bridges and such. If California ever legalizes it and the, the Golden Gate Bridge gets a, a a boost of business, like maybe then we'll have a national conversation. But until then, yeah, it doesn't seem like one of those that slows down. It just keeps ramping up and ramping up. Because if you live in one of the states that doesn't have it, you probably have lawmakers pushing for it. Like, hey, we're wasting all this money. That's what happened with Kentucky, like because Kentucky didn't have it for a while, but they had it in Indiana, they had it in Tennessee, and surrounding states. People were just driving to the different states to do it. So you want to <clears throat> do a little quiz on who the – I found the top – we said Ohio is already the fourth in terms of uh, earnings, okay, revenue. Want to take a guess at the top three? We may have already shaded the first one or four. Yeah, I was going to say New York's probably number one, right? They're number one. You're, uh, number two – See, I don't. This is you're gonna run into like you don't know which states are legalized. Cause California's not. I don't. Is Texas legalized? I no. I was gonna say I don't think Texas is legalized either. Number two. That'd be New Jersey. You got it. New Jersey's number two, just out of shade over one billion. So now what's yeah. number three? Mm. It's not Tennessee, is it? Because Tennessee is Tennessee no. in the top 
They're not in the top four. That's okay. all I've, okay. I'm able to see. I would guess it's one of those states that lets you do player props. Illinois? John, you know you're gambling. It's Illinois. Yeah. If only I got, they gave me a free bet for nailing this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Give me some credit. Come on. I need my, need my three-team parlay. Please. And a, and a listener just texted me and said, yes, you're right. Not totally legal in Florida yet. However, you can wager on DFS stuff like prize picks and underdog. The Daily Fantasy, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a little bit of a workaround. Because I know that there is now. I don't really know how to get around it in Tennessee. But I know that you can do some of the player props in college through a different site. But it's not deemed as gambling on college players. I don't really understand the workaround. But what's the fourth state? That is Ohio. We already said that. Yeah, yeah. we said that one, right? Yeah. Okay. But so, I mean, not not surprising when you look at just the, you know, Jersey screams gambling. I don't know if Atlantic City apps <laughs> like up there if they kind of move the some of the in person stuff to right to online. We talked about New York. We talked about Ohio, Illinois. Having Chicago there makes sense too. That's what I thought too about Illinois. You got a major market, big sports town. Wonder how the mobsters feel about it. Yeah. Big Jack over there, just Fat Jack's been <laughs> has legs come out from cut out from under him. There'll always be people wanting to bet on credit, though. Fat Jack, you'll be all right. There'll be people that bet on credit. Those are the bets you don't want to take, though. Wonder if we could rename Eli to Fat Jack. I don't think he'll like it. I don't think he'd like it either. Yeah, he's skinny, Eli. <laughs> he doesn't get to, to be Fat Jack. Oh man, yeah, it's. Uh, I just think it's fascinating, and and. I'm I'm one who keeps thinking, given the money that's being spent by all these books in terms of their marketing and advertising, because we all see it, we get hit over the head with it constantly. And I keep thinking, man, the bottom's got to fall out on that, but maybe not. It doesn't feel like it, honestly. It just keeps happening. I think what's happened is we've seen some of the books like WinBet and some others close down. I think that's what's probably going to happen. Some of these big powers are going to just, you know, wipe out the the smaller ones. Yeah, yeah, it's not going to go away, but yeah, maybe you don't have the seven or eight options in each state, which you could argue is a bad thing, that you want as many options as possible because of the pricing, and the more options, the better they have to treat the consumer, because like if you are a serious gambler, you'll, you'll go where the best lines are, and the, the lowest juice, and all those things, and less competition means they can maybe offer you worse things. From that type of, you know, from that standpoint of regu- uh, regulation, that's maybe not a bad thing. Although, maybe if there's fewer companies, they also weed out the bad ones that kind of screw you over and take advantage of you. So maybe on the other hand, it would be a good thing. Just kind of depends, I guess. Another quick quiz. Let's hear it. Come on. I can do it. How much estimated? How much? Money was placed in bets, so in handle, for the Super Bowl. This is nationwide. Nationwide. One point four billion. Sam, it's not a bad guess. Yeah, I think it's definitely over a billion. Well, well you're right. You're, you're right. That's that's a good hedge, but um, eleven billion. Nope. A hundred billion. Ah, uh, no. A trillion. Well, it was only a, again reminder. There was only 120 billion in handle, 23 billion for just so almost 20 percent of that yearly total. Well, now that's the 2024 Super Bowl, so yeah. it's not that percentage. But no, yeah, I think that goes ahead and tells us that the 
the upcoming 2024 year is going to blow past the 120 billion dollar handle from last year. I think we're going to yeah. be up closer to 150, 170. Yeah. Surprisingly, those damn Swifties, man, they got a gambling problem. Surprisingly, though, they're saying the Nevada books only uh, recorded about 186 million of that. Well, you know, I imagine that less people have to go to the Super Bowl, have to go to the Vegas Super Bowl. Like, I have to go to Vegas for that. Like, that used to be a trip me and my friend wanted to do. And, hey, let's not worry about sending money grams in Western Unions. Let's just go to Vegas so we could do it right there in person. It would be great. Now you don't have to do that. Now there's no real point to having to go. If you want the live casino experience, the live sportsbook experience, and you live in Tennessee, eh, just go to Cherokee. Yeah. They got in-person betting there. Or just sit on your couch. I have not been to Cherokee. How's the book over there? I mean, it's an environment. Uh, well, there's two different versions of Cherokee. There's the one up here, you know, and, the, and then there's River Valley that's down a little bit closer to Atlanta. And the one at River Valley is smaller and not great. The one up here is solid. It's fun. Yeah. And it's got TVs. I love a good sports book. Just go in there, have a drink, maybe a cigar. I don't know. I watched Tennessee get its ass beat by Missouri at the sports book at Cherokee, and that wasn't fun because there were a lot of Georgia fans there that were rooting, laughing at us and rooting against us and betting on Missouri. And I'm surprised there's not more fights in sports books. When I see the video like from the Super Bowl, like the, the walk-off touchdown, you got people cheering and going crazy and guys standing on tables and like <laughs> – I'm surprised somebody just there hasn't been more fights because like you throw money into the mix and usually like alcohol and things and trash talk. I'm surprised we don't get more more square ups. I can't help but think every time I see those videos that the guy standing on the table probably won like twenty dollars. That's what I always think of the guy standing and hooting and hollering. Yeah, I told you I went to the Super Bowl. I stayed in the room to watch the game. I was like, I don't want to be down there. <laughs> I got too much money for me on this game. I don't need to be around people hooting and hollering and. Messing up my vibe and messing up my mojo, because I, I think I would be really upset at that. So I just tend to like watching the big games at home, or hanging in the city, hanging in the hanging in the room. I um I remember going. I was in Vegas for one of the national championship games. I think it was Michigan Louisville, and um, I was like so fired up. Going, I was like, man, I hit the sports book. I go down to my hotel sports book, and you can't get near it. Yeah. You know, so I had to like sit in one, like at the bar, way in the back, and I was like, "Man, this isn't." That. I almost did go back to the room. I was like, "This isn't fun." Yeah, yeah, you gotta, you know, we've got we've had a tradition with my friends to go kind of for the first NFL opening weekend. If you got at least three or four people, you just gotta pay, pay the hundred dollars, reserve a decent little table, reserve a yeah. little spot. It's worth it. Yep. Because otherwise, you're just gonna be fighting for position and everything. So if you're gonna go, just spend a little money and buy a table. Shows, uh, yeah, shows I'm a novice because yeah. I didn't even think about that. That's a good point, though. Yeah, yeah. Titans Bill wanted to let us know that there's a sports book in the Tri Cities, up in Virginia. Yeah, like Tri Cities area. Yeah, like, like Johnson where, where City, Bristol Virginia, is. Because there's that Virginia that casino, stuff, yeah. so I didn't know if it was in, yeah. the, in that. Casino. I didn't know about that. No, I only knew about Cherokee. So yeah. Or maybe he's talking about Fat Jack. Maybe he's got a. Maybe he's got a guy up there. <laughs> yeah, he's got a guy. That's anything's a sports book if you got a bookie. I've heard him. Just text him. Heard Carol Burnett frequents that sports book. There you go. Titansville. That might be why he knows. No, that's got some good intel. I had no idea. Yeah, me neither. Sam sent us a break. It's the morning show on Fan Run Radio. Baby, when I met you, there was peace on. 
Overrated, underrated, brought to you by our friends at Inward Half Golf. I just posted from the Fox Sports Knox X account a giveaway. We are partnering with Inward Half to give away one of those beautiful orange and white polos that they have. Got a little, you know, a little flower vibe to it. It'll be perfect for, for football season. And, and Nico, you throw your lay on it. But hey, before then, get ready to hit the links. Get out and play some golf or, or have you a shirt to wear during March Madness or for, for Vol Baseball. All you got to do, go to that tweet, Fox Sports Knox on X. Retweet it and give Inward Half Golf a follow, and you can enter to win a free shirt. Courtesy of me. Courtesy of me and our friends at Inward Half. InwardHalf.com. Enjoy the walk-in. All right, Sam, you said you got some overrated, underrated to play? Yes, sir. It's a Wednesday segment. It's Thursday, but whatever. We, we got behind yesterday, so let's play today. Overrated. Very overrated. It's overrated. Overrated, my friend. Overrated. I'm going to tell you why. I think that's a solid rated right there. Perfect rated. He underrated, man. He has some swag. He has some real swag. Lobsters are underrated. They don't die. All right, we got a little bit of overrated, underrated. Here we go here, fellas. Overrated, underrated. We got spring training. I'm a big baseball fan. I think it's underrated. That said, it's expensive. Um, that's the part I don't love. The tickets are not cheap, but, um, the experience is awesome. Haven't been able to do it for a while now. Um, it's nice to just sit out there, have a beer. Sometimes I actually go by myself because, you know, people in the fam aren't interested in going. It's like, I'll go, I'll just sit, take in the game. It's kind of quiet. You still have a crowd there, but I like it, man. I think it's I think it's a great experience. When you say expensive, how expensive are we talking? Tickets could be as much, um, you know, and they're just like okay seats, but it's not a big stadium, but like 30 bucks. Okay. 30, 40 bucks. Seems steep, but not as expensive as I would have thought whenever you said it was expensive. I mean, I, w- I wouldn't pay $30 to go watch spring training baseball. Yeah. I wouldn't do that. I mean, if the appeal is sitting outside, chances are you're going to be in a city – at spring training, that has a better place to sit outside than at a baseball game. Or uh, you can go, go to the beach, go sit next to a pool somewhere. You don't have to get in the pool, but just sit there and listen to the water. I have no interest in spring training. Maybe you get one or cool, one or two cool plays that happen a year. But, no, I think spring training is very overrated. I get it. You know, if you live in the town and, like, your team happens to be there for spring training, like you're, if you're a Yankees fan that lives in Florida and they come down once a year – and it feels like a holiday, that's fine. But some people, like, travel around the country to come to spring training. And to me, that's always seemed crazy. Do you get, like, special access to the players? Are they more laid back? Do you get, like, yeah. autographs and stuff? Are they out there, like, Yeah, I just, feel like they're more easier to get definitely to? Definitely, like, a more kid-friendly environment. Yeah. Okay, Good well, family thing. Maybe from that regard, it would be, you know, underrated. But, like, 
no offense, Bob, but if I'm just a, a grown man sitting by myself drinking, I could do that somewhere cooler than a baseball game in for spring training. It's got to be what you're into. Kind of creepy. And, and 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 if you're you know if you're on spring break for weekday eight days, you know you're you just can, trying to get away from your family. I get it. Well, I, no, I did not say. <laughs> I'm that. going to the baseball game, honey. You want to come? No. Okay. Well, uh, I'll be back. Yeah. Um, you, for me, it's like I can only go to the beach so many days, and you know, you're like sand everywhere. I got to get out of here. Yeah, exactly. You gotta gotta mix it up. So I, it's not like I go to spring training like five days of the time I'm there. It's like just get over there once, and I'm good. But it's good. I enjoy it myself. But yeah, you gotta be you gotta be kind of a hardcore baseball fan. And I I love Major League Baseball right when it's leading up to the beginning of the season. I've got to admit, once we get to like. May June, I tune out till. Well, I was the, like, it's over. I'll, I'll be yeah. back. I'll be back in, in August. Yeah, exactly, exactly. All righty, we overrated, underrated. Mark Sears. When I've watched Alabama, I'll admit I don't watch. A, I haven't watched a lot of their games, but like in the handful of games I've watched, he's been good, not great. So I feel like I have to say a little overrated just because he gets talked about as being the best player in the SEC, and I don't see that. Now, maybe against the lesser competition, you know, he is balling out and, and doing everything for them. But I think his his stats are a little skewed with how fast they go, how many more shots and possessions they have. So, like, yeah, you have a couple extra assists. Okay, cool. But you're shooting the ball, you know, four or five more times than your opponents. And the points per game isn't as high as it should be. So I'll, I'll go a little overrated with Sears. Plus, I watched J- Jamal Meshack make him look like he didn't know how to dribble a basketball. I'm going to say underrated, and it pains me to say it because I don't like him. Um, I think he's a fair. He's he does quite a bit of trash talking and other behavior that you know. Maybe he's got a chip on his shoulder, and that's what makes him good. But but his importance to the team, uh, it's pretty pretty critical. I mean, I think that. Last night, for example, in that Florida game, that's why it was so tough. We talked about it that Florida had them, had a chance to take them down, and we even said it. It was like Sears wasn't doing much, but once they got to overtime, late in, the, late in regulation and into overtime, he he did what he needed to, and, and he had a good stats night across the board last night. Um, I just think because of his value to the team, such a barometer for them overall, I would say he's – I hate it. He's underrated. All right. Overrated, underrated. The window seat on an airplane. You know, I, I got to say, I think I've been, had my eyes opened. Is it red-pilled? I've been red-pilled on the window seat. I used to like the aisle more, but now I think I like the window. The aisle... I, I'm a little wide. I get hit with the damn cart. I feel like I'm in the way. My knees kind of hang out a little bit. If I'm if I'm next to the window, at least I got that one side where I could just kind of fully lean on and and put my stuff on and kind of lay my head next to. I'm not a bathroom goer really on the airplane. If I was a bathroom goer and I wanted to get up, maybe that's important. But if I want to sleep, especially like put me next to the window. So I gotta be honest. I still find myself picking the aisle seat whenever I pick. But if I get stuck next to it, I'm like, okay, it's okay. Like if that's all that's left, it's okay. It's better than the middle. God knows I don't want to be in the middle. <laughs> I was in the middle one time, next to somebody who was 
very hairy and wearing a mask and wearing a hoodie when it was like 90 degrees. Like, how the hell are you wearing all this clothes and like everything in 90 degrees? And he was on one side and then next to me, I kid you not, was like a 430 pound guy. And he sat down next to me. I'm like, oh my God. And, you know, he's spilling over on top of me. And then he was like, he put a seatbelt on Bob. He's like, oh my God. Yes. He's like, this is the first time I've been able to buckle the seatbelt without an extender. And I was like, good for you, man. We had a nice little conversation. Like, you know, I've been trying hard. He's like, I've lost like 40 pounds. He's like, I've been walking at night. I'm like, hell yeah, man. Good for you. And like, we're having a little conversation. I'm like, oh, I hope this doesn't continue for the three hours of this flight. But then he's like, we're getting, we're pulling off. He looks at me and says, I'm sorry for what's about to happen. And he immediately goes to sleep and just snores the entire rest of the way. And every time I move, he's like waking up and looking at me so mad. Like, quit moving. You're waking me up. And meanwhile, the person next to me on the other side is just all covered up and hairy and scary looking. And I was just like, this is hell. This is hell. And all so I, in that scenario, I would have liked to have been next to the window. Sounds get, like planes are just overrated for you. I hate then. planes. I really do. <laughs> I truly do. I, I need to make more money. If anybody's hiring, like in some type of executive position where I don't have to make too many decisions, but like a good job, like a cushion job where I can show up and be like a figurehead, you know, kind of like what Pearl did with Hackney. If Hackney's listening and you need me to come do that, like an advisor of sorts, a consultant. Maximum salary, minimum effort. Yeah, not maximum salary. No, I, you know, six figures, you know, mid mid six figures. You know, again, not a lot of responsibility. I don't want to talk to any stockholders or, or have to answer for anything. Unless you let me delegate. You know, if you have an opening where you need somebody that's good at delegating, I can delegate. I can delegate. Although I don't know if I actually can delegate. Usually I just end up doing it myself. You but if you're hiring, let me know because I need to. I need to upgrade my seats on the planes. You were talking about the guy to your right, hairy mask and et cetera, and I was thinking, and that's how I met Cody. <laughs> no, Cody would have been the guy in the middle, or Cody would have been the guy to the left of me. Well, you said that I yeah, didn't. Cody would have been the guy to the left of me. I'd tell him to his face. Um, you still never gave an answer, John. Um, well, at first <laughs> I said window seats were were underrated. Okay. But then I said I never actually pick them. I still pick the Seems like you walked back the take after you yeah, said Yeah, I did because I realized I was kind of a phony. Like, I don't actually pick the window seats. Unless, I will say, like, if it's, like, early in the morning I want to sleep, I have started doing it for that. But other times I'm just like, I'll just be on the aisle because there's a value of being in control of when you get up. Yeah, 100%. When I go to the movies, I'm near the I got, I'm, I'm an aisle seat guy. I want to be able to get up and get out without bothering people. I think they're – Overrated. I'm an aisle guy, team aisle seat. Um, Alpha move. Yeah. yeah. Expect nothing less. <laughs> when we travel as a family, my daughter always wants a window seat, which is great. I'll tell you what I don't like about the window seat. I'll always take it over a middle seat, but particularly if you're left side of the plane, um, as you're looking towards the, you know, the, the pilot's cabin, uh, or the front of the plane, I'm left-handed. So if I'm on the window on that side of the plane, I'm I'm totally debilitated, man. I can't, <laughs> can't get your elbow rendered out. useless. Nah, man, because I'm, I'm you know broad shouldered and everything else, I can't really operate. And so in the aisle, yeah, do I get bumped a time or two? Sure, but at least I can I can kind of lean out and uh, not really impact anything. So uh, it's even it's even cramps you up there in first class when when you're up from the, on the left window. Well. I nope. figured that I figured there was I had enough room up there for you to that's, stretch out. Yeah, that's all right. But yeah. I don't I don't fly a lot of first class. 
on my trip this summer, I, it was like a nine-hour flight, and so I was obviously sitting aisle, and I got run over by that cart on my toes like seven times, bumped time. into it every time. It woke me up every time. I was getting angry. Yeah, but if, you, uh, if you're talking to a flight attendant, man, that's not your space. Yeah, it's so. not. <laughs> they clearly let me know that, yeah. yeah. They're like, sir, you need to move your foot I was going to say, like, they, they, my knees not, are dying. They're not going to mess around, not in this day and age. <laughs> it's like, you know, get your damn foot in, man. We're... Uh, yeah, because I've been there. I'm, I'm not saying that uh, you're alone there. I've done that too. But uh, now, nah, man, I, I, it's not even uh, a discussion or a debate. I, I'll see. Got to have it. So I'd say overrated for the window. If I'm traveling with a woman, I'm all right being in the middle because I just absorb her extra space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So at that point, I'm fine in the middle. If I'm traveling with a, a woman, just pop up that armrest and – now, now I got two seats, kind of. There's a quick etiquette question then for you guys. So if you're so if you're sitting in the aisle or the window, and somebody's sitting in the middle that you don't know, how do you how do you approach it? As far as do you just you put the arm down, or do you offer like you know it's an option? Hey, do you want you want the arm down, or do you not? Are you more comfortable with the arm down or not? Oh, I've, I've never I've never had a discussion about whether or not the arm's up or down. And as far as whether or not I take the armrest, I just make a calculation of can they whoop me, and if they can, then I give them the armrest, and if they can't, I take it. Yeah. Or I go to the front usually of the armrest. I'm a fidgeter, man. I'm a terrible plane yeah. passenger. I'm too fidgety as well. I, uh, I I feel so bad for the people next to me because at some point throughout the plane ride, especially if it's a three or four hour flight, at least there's a moment I'm going to lean up, probably put my tray down, and try to put my hands on my head and just sit there, and they're going to be looking at me. Is this guy okay? Is he freaking out? Start moving, unbuckling, <laughs> reaching into my bag, maybe standing up to go to the bathroom just so I can stretch my legs. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a terrible pay, plane rider. Yeah, yeah. I ask the question is what I do. Just you know, figure. Do any strangers say they want to keep it up? Or yeah, really? sometimes yeah, it's a dialogue, and I'll go either way. But I, oh, I figure it's a way depending upon. Well, you sometimes you get a vibe from whoever's coming in where it's like oh, I'm not even gonna ask the question. It's armed down. I don't want to talk about it. And uh, but but a lot of times now they're always like oh no cool yeah I'm fine with it wherever you want it thanks for asking. I guess it is hit or miss with those big wigs type up in first class. Some of them are too important to <laughs> be talked to and no, I'm not. some of them want the armrests up so you guys can network and compare notes and oh, here's no. my beach house. What's yours look like? <laughs> wow, I like that on the interior. When I get not my third true. one in the mountains, I'll I'll add that. Ah, uh, true. You know any good chalets we can go to? <laughs> chalets. That'd be good. You got another one? Are we good? Uh, I got one more. Overrated, underrated. Uh, calling a timeout with the ball on the final possession. Something that LSU didn't do, and it got them a win. I think it all matters on what happens, Sam. If it, if you if you are successful, then it's it's good. And if you don't get a bad shot, if you don't get a good shot off, you look dumb. I think it's uh, – so what are you saying, overrated, underrated? I'll say that it is all dependent. It's <laughs> properly rated. It's all dependent on what happens. If you score, it's good. If you don't score, it's bad. I typically like not calling timeout. Yeah. You know, assuming that you have a good guard that can get you in there and that you've practiced enough to know the plays and and know how to handle those situations, that you should you should always think that you're more prepared than your opponent. Right. That's what I would think. Like, if, if I was a coach and we're running through this nonstop, I would have confidence in my guys to know that we've practiced more than the other team and know how to get a good shot off. So the question was calling a timeout yeah, versus yeah, yeah. having a timeout. Yeah, yeah calling a timeout. 
Yeah, I think it's overrated. I think you're right. I think you should be prepared to have a, a way to win the game or, you know, whatever it is you're going to be doing there. So, yeah, I, I would agree. It's nice having the timeout. It's nice having it, but I wouldn't necessarily say you got to use it. I think letting the defense get set is more advantageous for them right. than it is you drawing up some type of play in six seconds. I agree. Coach Greg Polinski going to join the show after the break. Maybe we'll ask him his thoughts on calling a timeout at the end of the game, whether or not it's overrated or underrated. It's the morning show here on Fan Run Radio. Welcome back to the morning show. Got Bob Baskerville here with John Reed. Talk a little uh, Tennessee basketball. We've been talking about SEC basketball in general. There was a lot that went on last night, but uh, we, and I use the royal we there with the Vols, we got, we got our own thing to worry about. A lot of big games coming up, and we have our uh, weekly guest back in the fold with us, assistant coach Greg Polinski. Coach, good morning. Good morning, guys. I hate missing last week, but we didn't get back till about 2.30, which by the time you wind down, it's a very early morning going to sleep. Oh, I bet, man. Not a problem. We kind of expected that, and uh, we'll always take take a win, too, on the road, so that was good. Which yes, sir. Which leads me to my first question for you. Uh, it's been talked about a lot, and uh, we're seeing it really in just a little over the past 48 hours, uh, UConn goes to Creighton, loses. Illinois goes to Penn State last night, loses. Kentucky at LSU loses on a last-second shot. And I bring all of these up because what we saw on Tuesday night with our guys in Columbia, I think it just underscores again, you know, however – uh, rough it may have felt from a viewing experience as a fan. I'm sure you all were feeling it on the you know the coaching side too. But you survive in advance. You know, again, you you take it as 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 a win and you move on. Um, I'm just wondering how it's feeling. You know, again, the vibe with the team. You gotta be happy with the win. Um, but just curious how you know you guys. You just kind of wipe that out in your mind, and it's like, okay, full steam ahead, no rearview mirror. It's all about Texas A&M now, and then the games that follow, which are huge. Yeah, I think you said it um, pretty well. That anything can happen on the road. Uh, I did watch the Kentucky LSU. It was a terrific basketball game to watch. Um, you know, Old Miss Mississippi State was looked like it was a real fight. Um, you just mentioned Illinois, who we know how good they are. Uh, I think they led by 10 in that game and lost to Penn State. I, I mean, I think that the, we all know in basketball, the, the home crowd, it, the intimacy of those arenas, with them right on top, like being able to, to be vocal and loud. And, man, it's, it is a difficult task to win on the road. And we certainly – I mean, you guys listen to Coach Barnes afterwards. He's about as honest a man as you'll ever meet. Um, and he didn't feel like we played real well in the first half, and I think that's probably the understatement, right? And I think it was more just um, – I think Coach was disappointed in our execution and our effort. I think if we give those two things, we live with you know, non-shot making or um, – 
you know, the other team, giving them credit at times. But uh, And we do give Missouri credit. Missouri played really hard defensively, really hard. Um, and then we finally found a stride in the second half. Uh, again, you know, we, those, those lightning bolts, Dalton, Tobey, our guys came together and, and we put together a run. But I think, I hope people also appreciate the fact that although the game was not aesthetically pleasing, um, especially for what we've been scoring, that our defense kept us in the game on the road. And so credit to our guys. A lot of teams, their defense is predicated on their offense. That is where they gain enthusiasm. And that is not the case here at Tennessee. And I'm really proud of that, to be a part of it. And not to sound like a paid commercial here, but I am. It's, it's a special group of guys that can do that. Yeah, but walk me on the sideline. Walk me through your thoughts during the start of the game, you know, because the start of the game was a throwback to last year's Auburn game, you know, where neither team can score. You know, it took Tennessee five minutes to get their first field goal. You know, basically right at the second TV timeout, Meshack hits the second field goal for Tennessee. What is that like being on the sideline when you're kind of stuck in a game like that and your team is maybe not executing or at least making shots? Are you looking for positives like, hey – on defense, you're still doing a great job, guys. The effort's there, and the shots will come. Or is it like, come on, guys, get it together, get a better shot, make it, let's go? Well, I think it's the latter. I think we were um, not the latter on getting better shots. We, we had pretty good looks. I mean, if you go back to it, we Missouri did a good job like we do on defense. We grind you out usually. We don't let you get – run your offense, and we're going to try not to let you get early good looks. And you're going to have to play through that clock. And uh, they did that to us, um, even though we had some good looks. It just seemed like we were not sharp at all, obviously, on offense. I'm more of – here's how I always feel. We will find a run. We will find an offensive run. You guys know what I mean by that, right? Like an, an 8-2, a 10-2, uh, a 6-0 run, where we get a little separation. And then once we get that separation, I think we'll be hard to, we'll be hard to beat because – we will stick with our defense. And that's where I was like, Hey, listen, you guys are playing great D. You guys are playing great D. Do you think there was any one person on that team? And I'm not saying this facetiously to you. (laughs) I'm just saying you guys have all been around athletics or been athletes or do you think there was one guy on that team that didn't realize God right now (laughs) we are struggling, man. We are awful on offense. No. So why state the obvious? Let's just praise them for what they're doing on defense and know that at some point, the beauty of it was we did score 46 in the second half. Yeah, and you found one of those runs you're talking about, too, with Dalton Connect. Yeah, and we would have loved to have had 46 in the first, believe me, Um, and and made the game a little bit easier for us, but we couldn't do it, you know, and a credit again to Missouri, who played well at Ole Miss, who played well at Alabama. I mean, they play hard. They compete. Um, they had a game plan. They stuck to it. And um, we eventually broke the code, so to speak. Yeah, I I don't think Missouri goes after watching that game. I don't see them going winless in conference. There's no way. they, they Like you said, they've uh, certainly not given up. They're playing hard. You could see the defensive tenacity with them throughout the game. And um, just feeling good that Tennessee escaped, honestly, with that win. Um, I'm with you. <laughs> yeah, let's let's look ahead to uh, to Saturday. Obviously, all, yep. all the games are big uh, at this point. 
We've got some unfinished business with Texas A&M. And what's interesting to me is we haven't had a chance to talk to you since that game in College Station. And they, they, were, they were on fire that night, hit a lot of shots, really worked. And I remembered what you said. Um, a key to that game was going to be trying to win the backboard is, I think, what you said. And, uh, man, they, they came hard at it and that, you know, uh, Anderson Garcia is just a beast on the boards and he continues to be. Um, so what we've seen, though, in the last few games with them is the shooting that we saw in College Station against the Vols, it's not been there. And it's, you know, resulting in losses for those guys. As, your, as far as your approach going into Saturday, um, what, what's, you know, as much as you can divulge, what's, what's the game plan? It's obviously got to do a better job on the boards against them because that's where they make their hay. But um, just curious what your thoughts are in terms of the approach for yeah. the team on this one. Yeah. I think it's, um, number one, they've lost three in a row. Um, the Vanderbilt game, I think, I don't, I can't explain Coach Williams uh, or players sometimes. I, I didn't think it was their, like, their sharpest hour. And Vanderbilt played really well. And we knew Coach Tackhouse would have them ready. Um, but I'll tell you, when I saw the Alabama score, I figured, or I started thinking, Wow, did A and M just come out flat? You know that happens sometimes to your teams. You're just not sharp. Right? Why? I don't know. If we could all bottle that, we'd be rich. Figure out how not to do that. But they did. Um, you know, but they didn't. They didn't come out flat. Uh, let me give you a stat so you just understand the magnitude of what they do on the backboard. They had 26. Sometimes teams don't get 26 rebounds in a game. They had 26 offensive rebounds at Alabama. That is a lifetime for some individual players. I watched that game as I watched all their games leading up to this. It was a, I mean, wow, something else to watch. Let me just say that. Their intensity, their effort. They are to be commended for how they go at it on the backboard. What happened? Alabama made 18 threes. 18. So in that game, and look, give Alabama credit. They found a way to win. But it wasn't due to a lack of effort on A&M's part. A&M's going to bring it here. A&M lost to Arkansas. It wasn't due to a lack of effort, and Arkansas played their rear ends off. I mean, really competed. A 180 from when we played Arkansas up there. So Coach Musselman has his team playing much better, almost won in Mississippi State. My point being, we better come ready to play. Um, and look, there's no secret to what they do. They rebound the offensive board. They rebound, period. And they are physical, physical, willful drivers. Um Give them credit on both. For a coach to get his team to do both those things is really difficult. But he's got older guys. They understand it. We're going to need a loud crowd in here to help us. When we played down there, it was, it was you know, we're getting everybody's best shot, and it's a privilege because we put ourselves in that position. But now we got to take care of that. And um, having a great crowd in here, I know we'll have people in there. 
I hope they're just as loud as A&M's crowd was because it was deafening in there. Uh, and it really helped them. They, they played off that energy, and our guys will do the same. But we've got a heck of a game on our hands. This is an A&M team that I think is an NCAA team without question. They're going through a tough time, but I think if I'm them, I'm saying, hey, we go in and we can win a Tennessee, Hey, we put ourselves right back on the NCAA map. So we better be ready to play. Talking with Tennessee assistant coach Greg Polinski, it was announced yesterday that the Thompson Bowling Arena at Food City Center are going to do a checker crowd gimmick to get the boys fired up. So, yeah, I think the crowd should be ready to go. I got a question, we'll though. Coach, uh, what, what, have the coaches came up with a game plan for what happens if Buzz Williams runs out into half court again? <laughs> no. Um, we're going to let the um, SEC office handle that game plan. Nice answer. Nice answer. Leave yeah. it at that. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, we're, gonna, we're just going to concentrate on the game. <laughs> Um, Buzz is, um, that, you know, unless they let him stay out there and it's six against five, then I think coach Barnes would really be upset. But if not now, we just, I think when that all happened, um, I think it was more of like a safety issue and I'm sure, you know, it was in the moment for Buzz, the excitement. I I can't explain it, but that's an SEC office question. And, you know, we got to concentrate on what, what we can do and how we're going to stop A&M. Did you find yourself locked in last night paying attention to Florida and Alabama as Tennessee is, you know, obviously chasing Alabama right now for the SEC championship? Yeah, you know, um, we all uh, have different scouts. A&M is mine, and certainly i got to do a better job than I did on the first go-around, convey it better to our players at least. And um, so was was working on that, but I did have the game on, uh, and – you know, would would catch it. Um, I saw where Florida was up ten in the second half, but you guys all know when you play Alabama, there talk about lightning bolts. Um, I happen to be watching the portion where they're where, where they hit, you know, big threes to get back in the game and went ahead. And I just thought it was a terrific game. I think Florida right now, um, if you had to re-rank the league, you'd certainly have them in the upper echelon, wouldn't you? the way they're playing, um, they're playing great basketball. And uh, that was a great win for Alabama. But, you know, the way that we look at this is that, uh, you know, it gives us an opportunity, you know, if, if we can take this thing one game at a time, you know, we've got a really tough schedule. We know that going down the stretch. You guys are aware of it. Um, that's kind of exciting because it's going to prepare us more for the NCAA tournament. And maybe that does, if, if we can win a number of those games, maybe it does allow us to get to a number one seed and, or solidify our number two seed. Coach, after you're playing a team, you know, just two weeks later on a short turnaround, what's kind of a, maybe an underrated difficulty, I guess, in terms of game planning and maybe also what's kind of advantageous in just that short turnaround and kind of being able to maybe catch them on their toes a little bit? Or what's a, what's a difficult part also of having that short turnaround as well? I don't think it's difficult. Um, I, I don't think A&M would think it's difficult. I think they'd welcome it because, honestly, like when we played Alabama, we've got them coming up too, but in, in a couple of weeks, I don't know when it is, but that was a long gap, my point is. We're not thinking ahead to that at all. We've got to focus on A&M, but 
I think when you play somebody, it's almost like the NBA being in a playoff series. Um, what adjustments? What what small adjustments? You're not going to make any big adjustments. And look, we're going to do what we do, and A and M is going to do what they do, right? I mean, it's Coach Williams isn't going to change what they do for us. It worked the first time. If I'm him, I'm coming at it again. I think for us, we're going to have to maybe tweak a few things, but Coach Barnes has great confidence in our guys, and we just got, like I said, I've got to do a better job of conveying what we're supposed to do. And, um, you know, that's, and then obviously Coach Barnes is going to make the decisions on how that runs, but, uh, and then go out and execute it. That, that's the best I can say it. Yeah, as you're breaking it down and coming up with the game plan, like what percentage of the game plan comes from just the the previous matchup against A and M, or are you looking at the games they've played since then in terms of getting your plan ready? Yeah, good question. I I, I think both, but I think you also want to concentrate on um, the things that they took advantage of you with uh, the first game, and you know you're not going to stop a team, but how can we limit? How can we you know, lessen some of the blows that we absorbed in that first one. And I'm sure they're looking at the same thing. Um, so I think it's a combination of, but we definitely look back, you know, at the last game. And I'm certain that A&M is doing the same thing. Yeah, what did you see, you know, when after the game against Missouri with your double big lineup? You know, I thought playing Awaka and Jonas together – in the second half, gave Tennessee some really good toughness and kind of helped shore up the rebounding a little bit, something you're going to need against Texas A&M. Yeah, um, just what you said. You know, we were out-rebounded, being out-rebounded at halftime, and we had not done a real good job on the offensive glass. I think we had two. We ended up with 14. So 12 offensive rebounds and a half is is impressive. Um, But that is something that – you know, we have an option to do with this team. We have some versatility. And, um, you know, we have great faith in Tobey and, and Jonas. Um, this game will be really, really challenging for all of our bigs and our guards. I would say that Texas A&M, you know, we have this reputation for being so physical. I would say they are absolutely the most physical team in the league. And... um you know, I'll say this, like people talk about we're going to have to match. Now we're going to have to exceed that. We're going to have to exceed that here at home. Um, so the two-big lineup does help us in some ways uh, with that on the backboard and just how we can go about our business defensively. But at the same time, you know, you give up a few things when you do that, but you also gain some things. And I think it's just the flow of the game. And I've never been around anybody better than Rick Barnes in terms of figuring out the flow of the game and how he wants to go about it. So um, we'll be fine from that standpoint. Hopefully, like I said, we're going to you know, get it conveyed to our guys what we got to do and then execute the game plan. Yeah, and you talk about Coach Barnes. This is, uh, well, whatever the next win's going to be, let's hope it's Saturday. That's going to be win number 800 for him. Um, so it'd be awesome for that to happen at home. Uh, these games loom large. We keep pointing to this matchup against Alabama on March 2nd. There's obviously two games in front of that, so it's uh, it's truly building up to 
everything matters more than than ever right now. So we are now in the championship stretch. Exactly, I've called it. Every game now feels like you're starting the the tournament run, the championship run for conference play, and then of course the big dance. I yeah, imagine so, the energy's picked up a lot inside of the locker room now when you kind of get to that part of your schedule. Yeah, we've got a bunch of veterans. Um, you know, you can't, there's not much that Santi and Joe and Jamai, um, particularly the first two, right? And Zakai and Jonas, and I could go through all our older guys. They, they understand. I mean, they convey it. They, they know they, they're great with our young guys. The young guys, like Coach said, he was really proud of them for speaking up at halftime of the Missouri game and talking about our effort, that shows some sense of maturity that they recognize really what this takes. I don't know about you guys. I thought my first year here, which was three years ago, was one of the better years ever in the SEC, at least in this one-and-done era, transfer portal era, because I was first doing my first go-around. You know, guys stayed for three or four years, so the teams were tremendous. That was everywhere in the country. I've never had a year in the SEC where I think they're talking about nine of our teams getting in the NCAA, which would be a record if that happens. Um, it's a great league. Our guys know it. And uh, we got to focus on A&M or there will be no next big game, if that makes sense. we got to take care of A&M. we got to work hard to do that. And uh, A&M realizes they got to do the same to us, right, because they're fighting for – uh, we're all fighting for something. Let me say it that way. And we expect a really competitive high-level game here on Saturday night. Coach Greg Polinski, appreciate your time as always. On the way out, you can be real short with this one. We want you to help settle an argument. Last possession, 10 seconds or so left. Are you in favor or against calling a timeout to set up on offense? Well, I don't have to make that decision. I think um, Coach Barnes is probably going to err on the side of not calling a timeout because he feels like we run a lot of offense and go through those scenarios in practice. Um, And then you know exactly what defense they're in if you don't call a timeout. If you call a timeout, that gives them a lot of options, correct? Yeah. So you kind of count on your team to have the discipline and maturity to execute something that you've called. Um and uh, I think it depends on the scenario, the level of maturity of your team. But there's a lot of variables to that, how the game flow's going. But um, I would say for us, you know, that would be just a feeling the coach has at the time. You, you saw it lead to chaos last night for LSU Kentucky, but LSU was able to find a bucket through the chaos with it. Coach, appreciate your time. We'll talk to you next week. Best of luck in the upcoming games. Thank Thanks, you. guys. Thank you, Coach. Take care.